Hello, welcome to the Dear Nikki podcast, where I'm going to be giving you personalized user research advice based on your questions or struggles. So let's dive into today's episode. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? It's a Wednesday here. I'm recording this a bit early. And I signed into so I signed into my membership Q and A. We have Q and A's every like live Q and A's every two weeks, and it was a Tuesday when I signed in, and we had people coming in, and I always ask people how things are going, and it just everybody just seemed mediocre. <laughs> you know, everybody was like, "It's a Tuesday. It's just what it is," and I totally feel that this week. I fully thought that it was a Tuesday on a Monday. And I think that that's one of the worst feelings when you're like, oh, I'm one step ahead of where I really should be with everything. (laughs) So it's that kind of week, but that's okay. The sun is shining here. It's warm finally, which I'm hugely grateful for. I spent last weekend gardening, but because I am starting to get older, I was bent over in a weird way and my back hurts. <laughs> I injured my lower back gardening, which is uh, quite a new accomplishment for me. It's like achievement unlocked. I am getting up there in the age where that's a thing, although I feel like it shouldn't be. But I also picked up tennis again, so I think that maybe that is a contributing factor. See? Too many factors. We don't know. Confounding variables. We have no idea what's actually causing things. (laughs) Could be everything. Could be nothing. Could just be that I need to stop weeding. That That sounds like a plan I can get behind. Anyways, I hope that you are doing well. I'm excited to chat through the question that I received for this particular episode because I find it an interesting question, not something that is asked very often or thought of very often, but is, or spoken about very often, to be fair, but is hugely important. So the question that I received was Hi, Nikki. I am super interested in trying new methods and practicing new skills, but I'm not 100% sure how to do that in my current organization. I don't always have the chance to test out and experiment with different methods, and if I do, I get concerned that since it's my first time doing something, I'm not going to be great at it. What are some ways as user researchers we can practice skills in low-stakes environments? So how interesting is that? And when you think about it, how important is that? Isn't that a great question? So yay. Yay to you, question asker. I appreciate this so much. So I want to talk a little bit about when I was in my career mid-level I had learned usability testing for the most part. I wasn't an advanced usability tester. Like my scenarios or my my tasks weren't amazing. I wasn't doing super awesome quantitative usability testing. I was much better at qualitative usability testing. 
but I had learned primarily how to ask basic tasks, how to do basic qualitative usability testing. I did a little bit of time on task and task success, but not, not, not an expert in it by any means. I had also done one-on-one interviews and I had fallen in love at that point with generative research. So really deep 90 minute, sometimes two hour one-on-one interviews where it was getting into people's needs, their motivations, their pain points, their goals, and creating deliverables based on that and leading to product innovation or product improvement. So those were the methods. And I had also, sorry, I had also done surveys. I wasn't spectacular at writing surveys, but I could do surveys. So I cycled through those methods quite often because they were the ones that I was most comfortable with because, of course, they were the ones that I had practiced most. I had sucked at all of those before I started, (laughs) and I had sucked at all of those for quite some time when I was learning them, right? So it's not like I came out knowing how to do all of these different methods. I learned them through practice and through time, but because interviews and usability tests and surveys are some of the most common methods that we use, what can happen is we can kind of get stuck in this, I don't want to call it a rut. I mean, sometimes it's a rut, but let's call it a cycle of using the same methods repeatedly. And while there is a reason why these methods are so popular, they can answer quite a lot of questions. There are also other methods that can either as effectively or more effectively answer the questions that we have, right? Or answer questions that stakeholders come to us with. So what I realized over time was sometimes I was doing this square peg round hole. I was trying to fit a research method to a problem where it wasn't 100% aligned or great, but that was because I was familiar with that research method, right? So let's take a super common example that happened to to me quite often was information architecture. So people wanted to understand the information architecture and how, how users perceived the information architecture in our product. And so what happened is because I wasn't familiar with different methods such as tree testing or card sorting, right? Or even first click testing, which is, that can be used a bit for information architecture. I defaulted to usability tests. So I asked them to complete the tasks in order to understand the information architecture, which, you know, it, it wasn't a complete miss, but because with our usability testing, we had a smaller sample size, I wasn't able to truly help and understand the trends and patterns that I might have seen in something like tree testing. I also wasn't able to brainstorm alongside my participants like I might do in an open or hybrid card sort, right? So I was definitely missing different aspects of the problem and I was falling short of helping my teams make better decisions because I stuck with my comfy, (laughs) very comfy research methods that I felt more or less confident in. I had to break that. 
eventually. So what I recommend doing is if you feel as though you're wanting to try different methods, right, and you're wanting to experiment with different methods, there are a few things you can do. The first thing that I would say is choose methods that are, and I'm doing air quotes because you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes, more simple. So setting up something like first click testing is more simple than understanding how to do an open card sort, right? So try to choose methods that are a little bit less complex, right, to start you off with. Because what I learned is you have to build confidence in trying new things, experimenting, failing, iterating, right? So you have to build that confidence in the the concept of trying new things. And if you start with things that are less complex, so I started with first click testing. If you start with something that's less complex, you start to build the confidence, right, in trying new things. And then what happens is, as you try new things, you get better at the overarching response of this didn't work, let's pivot this way, right? So I think getting familiar or more confident with just trying new things in general is super important for this. So start with less complex methods, right? And work your way up. I would also say kind of going back to this low stakes, start with teams or problems or projects that are not as high impact, right? So start with low stakes problems and less complex methods to build that confidence up, right? So that's what I did. As I said, I was, I started with first click testing, right? And that for me was a less complex method. And I used it with a team that I had already brought value to that trusted me. And I was very explicit from the start. Hey, this is a new thing I'm trying. I'm still learning exactly how to do this, how to analyze this. So I, I treated my project and my method kind of like a product. I was like, we are beta testing, first click testing, <laughs> right? So. I was very explicit with my team in this way, and that took a lot of courage. And I know that that's not easy to do, especially if maybe you don't have a support system where you feel comfortable saying, hey, I'm not 100% sure what I'm doing, but we'll get through it, right? But try and be as explicit with your team as possible and transparent that this is something new that you're trying, but you believe that it can bring a lot of value to them. So I did that on that team and we first tackled a low stakes problem right so it wasn't something and what i mean by low stakes is it wasn't something that needed attention immediately it wasn't a burning fire it wasn't a huge strategic project it was a relatively small project that we could beta test this methodology on, right? And I would think about as you continue to test and try out different methodologies, right? I would think about them as beta tests. You know, we're testing this methodology out to see what it's like and we're going to get better at it and we're going to iterate on it. And because I can say that, you know, there are many different methodologies out there, but 
some methods don't work with certain participants. Some methods just don't work with certain stakeholders. Some methods don't work with certain organizations, right? So just because you see, and this is something that I fell into, just because you see everybody doing a certain method does not necessarily mean that it's applicable to your situation. So the best way for you to find that out is to be transparent in the fact that it's you're testing this, right? So what happens if you don't work in an environment in which you feel comfortable with this kind of beta testing of methodologies and trying them in in low stakes situations and working on your confidence that way. So whenever I've worked in organizations where I didn't feel that, first I tried to get out of them. I always have to say that as a disclaimer, kind of. First, try and leave. I understand that that's a very difficult thing to just do, but I have to say that as a disclaimer because in order to learn, you have to be able to try and fail and try again because without we we without that we can't we can't learn, right? No nobody comes into a space and tries something new and is suddenly an expert in it, right? Well, maybe Elton John. <laughs> he was really really good at piano, but he did practice a lot, so you know, anyways, here we go. Tangent. So very rarely are people experts in things that they haven't practiced often, right? Yes, you can have natural inclinations towards different skill sets, right? But very rarely does somebody pick up a card sorting study for the first time and they're perfect at it, right? So we need this environment in which we can try and fail and learn and iterate and improve you just, we we need that. So if you don't have that, again, try and leave. I have been in those situations before. It is terrible. I get that. It just kind of plays with your imposter syndrome because there's really no nowhere for you to turn to actually improve. So you feel kind of stuck in a hamster wheel. So I totally, I totally sympathize with that. So whenever I've been in those situations and I've been interested in practicing new skills, I try to bring them outside of my work environment right? So I will actually practice on friends, on family members. I will run my own studies, right? So when I was learning card sorting, I was working and I had I had done some card sorting before. I had done more of the closed card sorting, which means that everything is predefined, right? All the categories and cards are, are predefined and people are organizing them in ways that may participants are organizing them in ways that make sense right and i did not i was not leading that study somebody else was leading it and i was assisting on the study so there was a time where i wanted to learn how to do open card sorts which obviously you have a bunch of blank cards people are creating their categories right and then they are bucketing those those items together and that takes a much more, uh, it just takes more experience on how to facilitate something like that and understand why people are writing what they're writing, get them started, get them creative, get them feeling comfortable. It just took facilitation skills that I didn't feel like I had. So what I actually ended up doing uh, was going and practicing card sorting on my friends, (laughs) right? I just went out and did card sorting with my friends, right? So that is another thing that you can do is to use systems around you 
to try out whatever techniques or methods you are trying to practice, right? And then trying to, that's a super low stakes environment, right? Is practicing these things with your friends. I have also done things where I have paid for a service. So when I first did tree testing, I practiced it on my own and went through a service and set up the tree testing and paid for actual participants just so that I could practice it because the organization that I was working at in the uh, working in at that time did not appreciate failure <laughs> and I I didn't feel – I had to do this tree test. I knew it was a tree test that I had to do, so I went outside and I paid for essentially a study, right? Luckily, tree testing is unmoderated, so it wasn't the most expensive study that I had run, but I learned a lot from it. So I had actually gone out and done the tree test with random participants and utilized that as a learning. Another thing that I had to practice on my own was jobs to be done. So jobs to be done interviews are specific types of interviews that you run and there are specific questions or a specific way that you ask questions. And I was not familiar with that. So I actually practiced on other on, on friends and family and I also practiced on other researchers. So I was in a group of researchers, kind of like a meetup group, you know, and we practiced jobs to be done, which which was really great. Another thing that you can do is if there are skills like writing research plans, writing screener surveys, doing whiteboard challenge prompts, those are all things that you can do 100% on your own outside of the scope of work. So you can always practice, you know, creating research plans, you know, find finding problems and and creating research plans around them. Same with screener surveys, same with interview guides. I have whiteboard challenge prompts, which I'm happy to link to in, in this description, which you can look at and practice, right? But the best thing that you can do is find an organization in which you can practice these skills, again, in a low stakes environment. So with a team that trusts you, with a team that you feel comfortable being explicit with and transparent with, with regards to your skills, and on a problem that is low stakes, starting with less complex methodologies so that you work in that confidence, right? So that's the ideal. If you don't have that going outside and trying to work with friends and family or peers, right, uh, in that case, or doing something completely on your own. I have, when I got really desperate, so workshop facilitation is something really hard to practice on your own or even with friends, family. It's workshop facilitation is <laughs> really something that requires other people. And so, I several times had recorded myself presenting the workshop. I had done dry runs of the activities all by myself. Like I recorded myself, I listened to myself, I went through the activities myself, right? And so I presented the activity and then I went through the activity myself. So I almost facilitated myself through a workshop and I did that completely alone. Was it the most ideal? No. What would have been great is if I could have facilitated the workshop with my 
with people at my organization, but I felt really uncomfortable in that space. I didn't want to get a bunch of my friends and family together into a faux workshop. So I, I had tried to hack it together on my own, right, by recording myself and listening to myself. So I would say that there are several ways that you can practice these skills. Again, the most ideal being within your organization in these low stakes environments and problems with less complex methodology, but you can also practice on family and friends. If you have the funds and you want to, you can run your own studies or you can practice alone on things like research plans, recruitment, interview guides. I did a lot of practice on these. So I took whiteboard challenges and practiced whiteboard challenges, of course, but I also took whiteboard challenges and used that as a research plan. So I created a complete research plan from that. I created recruitment, a screener survey from that. I completed an interview guide from that, right? And I have even gone as far as to do an entire study on something that was familiar to me and familiar to a few of my friends, right? And done an entire study and actually got that data and synthesized it. It was a complete, it was dummy data. And, you know, it's not like I was going to use it for anything, but it was practice, right? I will also say that something that we, a lot of people do to get into the field. So this is something that I did to get into the field was doing personal projects. We forget that we can continue to do those throughout our career. So the personal projects that I had done on writing on World of Warcraft, <laughs> you know, I had also done some in the middle of my career as well so that I could continue to practice, right? And they're not wonderful studies. You know, it's not like I spoke, uh, I, I did one on board games to do practice, to practice, and it wasn't like I spoke to the proper amount of people, but it was more just saying, okay, this is the research plan. This is the people that I would recruit. This is my interview guide and have a few interviews with people to practice that get that data and use that data as a way to code and tag and go through the affinity and go through any sort of insight writing. Right. So I actually did some personal projects along the way to continue to practice and hone my skills. And it's even better bonus if you can do those personal projects with new methods. So with methods that you haven't used before. So I will also do a, a quick shameless plug for my membership because when I talk about low stakes environments with your peers, when I was saying, talking about that, I was part of a like small group of researchers when we practice some of the jobs to be done interviews. But something that we do in my membership is that we have practice sessions and we have challenges, right? So we did a practice session on writing an interview guide, right? Writing a generative one-on-one -on -one interview guide. And so we got together, I read a problem statement and the group went on their own, wrote an, a quick discussion guide and then we went into breakout rooms and they were actually able to practice interviewing each other. And then we came back and discussed how it went. We also just recently did a whiteboard challenge challenge. <laughs> so I put together a few prompts for whiteboard challenges and people submitted those their, their submissions to it. So they went through and they actually answered the whiteboard challenge. They submitted and I gave feedback uh, on a few of those so that uh, people could also learn through feedback. So that's what I'm kind of talking about in those low stakes 
environments is being able to practice these skills with peers is also super, super helpful. So if you can find that group of peers or you can come and join our membership <laughs> and and have a group of peers uh, where uh, one of the next things that I want to us to practice is usability testing because I think it is underrated. Uh, it, a lot of people say that it's very easy, but I think we can always improve our, our task writing. So something that we're definitely going to do is improving improving task writing. And we're also going to do, I think our next, next challenge is probably going to be a research plan challenge, which I'm very, very excited about. So yeah, I think just continuing to either practice these in your work environment in low stakes situations, practicing them with family, friends, practicing them on your own as much as you can, or finding a group to practice with or joining uh, my wonderful membership uh, within that space. We do a lot of this practicing. So it's really, I think it's really about finding low stakes environments where if crap hits the fan, it's okay, right? We can we can learn from – so environments or situations in which it's okay and we can learn from our mistakes rather than be punished for them or feel really bad about them or have severe consequences for making mistakes. We have to find environments in which mistakes are okay, failure is accepted, and we can be so open with that and we can be so confident and okay with that that we can utilize those mistakes to really learn and improve, right? So I hope that that's helpful. There are a few different methodologies or approaches that you can use to practice your skills, and I really look forward to the next question. Don't forget to submit. I, As I mentioned, I put whiteboard challenge prompts in the description as well as a place to check out my membership if you're super interested in coming and joining us and, and doing some practice within that space. So thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe and submit your next question. And I look forward to talking to you all soon. Bye.